For the book of Matthew, Matthew chapter number four tonight, Matthew chapter number four, and uh, we praise the Lord for a great day. I know the, I think on Teen Soul went in, they were, teens were able to lead two to Christ today, so we praise the Lord uh, for that. Uh, we'll look tonight at Matthew chapter number four, and I'm going to read, uh, beginning with verse 18, down through the end of the chapter. Uh, and then uh, later in the Bible study, uh, we'll look at the first couple of verses of uh, chapter 5, and then we'll look at a couple of verses towards the end of the chapter, but I'll uh, give you that reference when we get to that point. Uh, Matthew chapter number 4, uh, we begin reading in verse number 18. And Jesus, walking by the Sea of Galilee, saw two brethren, Simon called Peter and Andrew his brother, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishers. He saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. And going on from thence, he saw other two brethren, James the son of Zebedee, and John his brother, in a ship with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. And they immediately left the ship and their father and followed him. And Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sickness and all manner of disease among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with divers diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils and those which were lunatic and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And they followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Here we have an account of our Savior uh, beginning his earthly ministry, and uh, he finds some fishermen. Of course, he would call others to uh, follow him as well, and uh, these men followed him. But then at the end of the chapter, we see that Jesus uh, began to perform miracles. He began to heal those that need healing. Uh, he taught in the synagogues. Uh, I want to look at this passage tonight, and I want to teach on this subject, Steps to Discipleship. Steps to Discipleship. I want to put the focus, of course, is on our Savior, uh, but then those men that followed Him that we refer to as disciples. And so I believe there's some very practical things tonight that will help us, that if we mirror them, we follow them, uh, then we too uh, can uh, have that discipleship that we desire. Father, help us tonight as we look into your word. Uh, may it be real to us. Uh, may we allow the Spirit of God to speak to us, to instruct us. And Father, I pray that because of what we see in your word tonight, uh, it'll help us serve you uh, in a greater way. Uh, Father, continue to use this church, use each one of us uh, to be a light in this world, uh, to be a witness. And Father, may you continue to work through us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Tonight, as we look at the, the thought, the uh, study tonight is steps to discipleship. Now, discipleship is a word uh, that many have given uh, different definitions to. And quite frankly, it's become a buzzword uh, amongst uh, religious people, a buzzword amongst churches, and it's often referred to and given a definition uh, that really does not line up with the Bible. It takes more than just wearing a t-shirt or having a hashtag on your social media, hashtag disciple, to make you a disciple. 
Uh, you need more than a, a bracelet for you to be a disciple of Christ. Uh, there's a little bit more to that. In most who would claim a misconception about the word discipleship. There's a lot of misconception about what it means to be a disciple. Uh, I very quickly and very briefly uh, refer you to, if you read throughout the Gospels, there are many who were attracted to Christ. The Sunday morning messages that we've had the last few weeks, and we've referred to that crowd, that throng of people that was around Christ. There was many who were attracted to him, but they weren't all his disciples. There were many who received salvation at his hand, but they weren't his disciples. There were many who he healed. Uh, they were lame. He made them to walk again. They weren't his disciples. And from a very practical standpoint tonight, there are many in this world today who have been saved by Christ. And by the way, that's the only way we have salvation is through the Lord Jesus Christ. But just everybody who's saved, is you can't say just because you're saved, you're a disciple. It means more to that. There are many who have their name on a church roll somewhere, but we wouldn't classify them as a disciple. Uh, There are many who are quote-unquote religious, but we wouldn't classify them as a disciple. Uh, There are many who serve the Lord in certain capacities. They've been saved for a certain length of time. But yet when we compare that service to what the Bible teaches and these men who were called disciples, and by the way, God calls them, his, calls them, calls them Christ's disciples. Uh, this world, so many times we say, well, I want to be a disciple, I want to do this, but do we want to do what is necessary for God to consider us a disciple of Christ? So I'm saying all that to say that I'm thankful uh, that I am saved. And we don't need to get into this because these people aren't doing, or so I know somebody who's not serving, I wonder if they're saved. It's not up for me to judge whether or not somebody's saved or not. Uh, but if we're going to be a disciple of His, there are some things that need to be true in our life. I'm thankful that Christ will save anybody who wants to be saved, aren't you? I'm thankful that He'll allow anyone to serve Him who has a desire to serve Him. You know, he has the church. He's founded the church for many reasons, to reach the world with the gospel, but to give us an avenue to serve him. Now, in order to be a disciple of Christ, you don't have to turn in a resume with all of your talents and all of your accomplishments to be a disciple. That is not what it means to be a disciple of Christ. I'm thankful uh, that, number one, Jesus will save anybody who wants to be saved, regardless of their background, regardless of what they've done. Jesus saves all sinners. He came to die for all men. But I'm also thankful that anybody who has a desire to serve Christ can serve Christ, can serve Him. We can be His disciple, but I think it's important uh, for us. And by the way, I think it's better for us to look at the Bible than the latest religious book at the so-called religious bookstore to see what it means to be a disciple. If we're going to find out what it means to be a disciple, maybe we should go to the disciples. Uh, Maybe we should go to what the Bible says it means in order to be a disciple. So I'm going to be very practical tonight, and I want to give you uh, five steps that I see here to be a, a disciple, steps to discipleship. And before I get into them, this is something that is done on purpose. How many of you are saved tonight? Let me see your hand. You got saved on purpose. Uh, you, 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 you weren't just elected and you got saved whether you wanted to be or not. No, you chose salvation. You chose to believe on Christ. Anybody who's ever been saved has chosen to be saved. 
Aren't you thankful you didn't have to earn your way, work your way? Buy in a lottery to try and hope you get to heaven. All you had to do was say, I choose Christ. I choose his sacrifice. Okay, if you and I are going to be a disciple, then we choose that. We have to decide that. Now, that doesn't mean you're going to walk on water like Peter did. It doesn't mean that you're going to do the same miracles that, that, that the disciples did. But what it can mean is that God would use you in a greater way, and when we enter into his presence, we can hear the words, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. Let me give you some steps to discipleship. Number one, I want you to look in verse 19, And he saith unto them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. The first step is listen. I wonder how many people, I wonder how many others Christ said those same words to, and they didn't listen. You say, well, Pastor, he, there's no record in Scripture. That's true. There's a record of James and John because they listened. Just like you say, Pastor, why would you suppose that? Because I've, I've been around long enough. I've pastored long enough. I've been in the ministry long enough. There are times when I know the Spirit of God is speaking, but people aren't listening. I mean, pay, I mean, do we not see what's going on in our world the last couple of years? But how many people aren't listening to what God is doing? We must listen. He saith unto them, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. It is a desire of Christ that we all follow Him. That's the greatest thing you and I can do is follow Him. He said, I want, to, I want to do something for God. I want to be a fisher of men. That's a great thing to be. How are you going to do that? Follow him. If we would concentrate and we put our focus on being like Christ. And by the way, it's hard to be like Christ and then try and fit in this world too. You can't do it. If we would focus on being like Christ, everything else in our Christian life would take care of itself. Everything else, and that ties in with Matthew 6, 33, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. There's a lot of Christians that are seeking the things that shall be added when they just sought Christ. He would add them to their life. So we must be listening. How do you hear Christ? Well, I heard this. No, you're not going to hear an audible voice. You listen to what the Bible says. You listen to the... Spirit of God, as He begins to work in your heart through the Word of God. But we listen. Jesus is still calling because the Scripture is still speaking. So if we're going to go down this pathway to discipleship, and by the way, we all should want it. We all should want to be more like Christ. So I just don't think I want that. You do realize if you're saved, when you get to heaven, we're going to be glorified. In his likeness. So why don't we just get started now trying to be like Christ? We'll never attain it. You don't have to remind me of that. We'll never attain it on this side of eternity. But we ought to at least make the effort so that we can glorify him and serve him in a greater way. So first the thing we gotta do is we gotta listen. Number two, the second where I leave the second step is leave. I think this is where the majority of Christians stay on the pathway to discipleship. They listen, they hear. They attend a, a good Bible preaching church like this church and the Spirit of God is evident and speaks to them or in their own personal Bible reading time, their own devotions, God speaks to them, works in their life and they hear and they know 
that for a child of God should be a disciple. I don't think anybody here would dispute that. Whether you've been saved 40 years or four days, I think all of us would agree that it is a good thing. It is a positive thing. It ought to be a goal and desire of every Christian. I want to be a disciple of Christ. So if we would agree that that's what we all should be, why are, why are Christians not all disciples? I've already used the illustration. Christ attracted the crowds. Well, how about those crowds? They had to use the word multitudes because of the crowds. But there was a small number of disciples because not everybody was willing to follow that path to disciple. And say, uh, what's the point you're making? That second word is leave. Look at verse number 20. And they straightway left their nets and followed him. He goes to verse 21. Saw so his two other brethren, James and John. Look at verse 22. And they immediately left the ship. Quite frankly, and this certainly applies to young people, not just in our church, but in a lot of churches, they've heard the voice of Christ say, come be a disciple, but they won't leave the ship. They won't leave daddy's ship. And quite frankly, there's a lot of daddies who, won't let, who say, don't leave the ship, don't leave the ship. Well, I don't know if they asked dad, but the sons of Zebedee left the ship. Verse 20 in... in Straightway, Peter and Andrew left their nets. What did they leave? They left their way of life. And, you know, this is something that's, that's out there today. And I, I, I want to, you know, so when I want to mention it so that we're sensitive to it, we're aware of it. If these disciples that acted like a lot of young people today, it's like I got to make sure that I got to have a backup career to what God wants me to do. And there's a lot of Christian parents who are getting in the way of the will of God for their children because they're pushing them in that direction as opposed to just saying, well, if you've heard the voice of God, go be a disciple. But you've got to be willing to leave, no matter whether you're 80 or 18. If we're going to be a disciple of Christ, they were willing to leave their old way. Now, it may not be for you. It may not mean you leave your career. Please, all of you today, don't leave your career. We got bills to pay. That's not necessarily what it means for you. It's what it meant for them. But you may have a lifestyle that you have to leave behind. You may have friends that you have to leave behind. You may have habits that you have to leave behind. You may have uh, 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 hobbies or, or whatever it may be. If you're going to be a disciple of Christ, there's some things that you are going to have to leave. I can't tell you how many times I've talked to, a, to sincere Christians. Sincere Christians. Pastor, I want to do more. I want to do more. But you're going to have to reprioritize. Well, I got this hobby. There's nothing wrong with that hobby. But if you're going to be a disciple, you may have to leave the ship. If you're going to be a disciple, you may have to leave your net. See, again, it's more than just, if you're on social media, you don't talk about hashtag disciple. That's, that's nothing. Or, where, or I'm going, nah, do you see this? It, it's like this, you know, the, the Mormons have their holy undergarments that they wear that make them holy. But we... There's a lot of Baptists who are almost as bad. I got my magic T-shirt that says, I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm a disciple now. 
No, it's not magic. You've been watching Marvel movies too much. It's, it, doesn't, it doesn't work that way. There's a dedication. There's something that we have to leave. We have to leave. They had to leave a lifestyle. Everybody okay? Okay. They were willing to leave their nets. Okay, first we got to hear. we got to listen. Is there any doubt? I, 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 I try, and, and this is just the way my brain thinks. I read these stories in the Bible. I read the, the, the account in the Gospels, and I try and place myself there. They're, they're out there. They're, they're in, in, you know, being at, in visit, having the privilege of visiting Israel and some, some, some of this area and picturing how, you know, that, where they would have been and, and the voices they would have heard. I promise you when Jesus spoke, they may not have known they may have never met him before, but I guarantee you they knew that that was a different voice. Just like there's a lot of you in here, you sat in a lot of religious services, but when Jesus spoke, you said, that's what I want. That's what I choose. So they listened, but then they had to be willing to leave tonight before we move to number three, four, and five, because this is where so many Christians get stuck. And by the way, your sincerity won't get you to point two. I don't question the sincerity of Christians. I really don't. But in order to continue that pathway of discipleship, you've got to be willing to leave. I'll use myself as an illustration. As a, You know my testimony. I was saved as a child. And at six years of age, I felt the call of God to preach on my life. Now, I could be 47, almost 48 years old as I am now, still talking about when I heard the voice of God call me. But if I'd never been willing to leave dreams, leave, and do what God wanted me to do, I'd still be talking about how I heard God. I mean, can you imagine if they had, if they had said, no, nah, I just don't think I, that's what I want to do. I just don't think I have the faith for that. And then they could, they could still be casting those nets, talking about the time Jesus called them. Let me tell you about when Jesus came by and he bid me come. They could have caught a lot of fish, but they wouldn't have been a fisher of men. So, Let's really grasp what we see here in these steps of discipleship. We must listen. We must be willing to leave. And here's the next step to discipleship. Look at me again in verse number 23. Jesus went about all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing all manner of sicknesses and all manner of diseases among the people. And his fame went throughout all Syria, and they brought unto him all sick people that were taken with diverse diseases and torments, and those which were possessed with devils, and those which were lunatic, and those that had the palsy, and he healed them. And there followed him great multitudes of people from Galilee, and from Decapolis, and from Jerusalem, and from Judea, and from beyond Jordan. Sounds easy, doesn't it? The third step to discipleship is labor. Everywhere Jesus went, guess who followed him? Those disciples. And when he went to teach in the synagogue... Who went with him? Who kept that schedule also? They did. And when people were healed and people were ministered to, they were there. Just like, let's go back to that series, that little series I preached back in February on the feeding of the 5,000. They weren't there as spectators. They were working that crowd. Go see what we have. And they brought back, we have a lunch, five loaves, two fishes. Jesus blessed it, break it, you know the story, and divide it up. And then they had to go serve it. And you talk about getting food fast enough to 5,000 Baptist men, that was a challenge right there. 
Then what did they do? They collected all the leftovers. There's work. There's labor. We know this because we're a church that tries to do something for the Lord. If you're going to be a disciple, you don't have all the days off that everybody else has. Let me say that again. If you're going to be a disciple, you don't have all the days off everybody else has. You, you, don't, you, don't, you don't get, and I'm not, a, and, and you know me, I'm for vacations, I take them. I'm four days off, sometimes I have them. I, I'm for all of that. I'm against, I encourage you to do that. But if we're going to be a disciple, we can't just lock in and say, well, I'm going to do this and this and this, and I, I have all of it. No, there's labor involved. Pastor, I want to do something for the Lord. Okay, well, if you show up and we're going to do this, then we're going to go out and do this, and then, we're, then, then when you get back, we have to do this, and then the bathroom's got to be cleaned after that, and then the bus is, well, you know, that's, can I just do something and show off my halo so everybody can see that that's not the way it works. It's labor. It's work. We, we understand it, and, and we have and young men, and there's, there's several young men, of course, many are working tonight, but several young men uh, that, that are here training, and many in our youth group, they feel the call to preach on their life, say, man, I want to preach. I want you to have that desire to preach. But you, but you don't go to Google 10 minutes before and come up and say, here you go. I mean, there's work involved. Quite frankly, this is the easy part. There's labor involved. If you're going to teach a Sunday school class, there's labor. When you stand up and teach that lesson on Sunday morning, that's the easy part. It's the labor. You're praying for your class. You're visiting your class. Uh, so is you, you're teaching the kids' class. Mom's calling and saying, we, we need help with this and this. There's labor involved. There's study involved. There's labor in the ministry. These, these, these men, I can only imagine, and, and I hope we get a sense from the Word of God that, that that those that are on the pages of Scripture, they're just like us. We're just like them. The Bible reminds us there's no new thing under the sun. It's like, I, I'm, I'm with Jesus. I didn't know it was going to work this much. I didn't know there was going to be all this work to do. Uh, labor. We know this, this is a reminder. If you're going to say, I want to be a disciple, you must listen. There's some things you have to leave. There's... There's habits, there's wants, there's desires, there's goals, there's dreams. You have to leave it. You have to labor. Labor. I want to remind all of us, Jesus was not popular. His disciples were less popular. Jesus taught them what they do to me. If they'll do this to me, you better be ready for what they'll do to you. And certainly we see that bear out in Scripture. It is certainly it is true in our day today. It is, it is labor. It is work. Mom and dad, if you're going to rear your children for the, for the glory of God, there's work in that, involved in that. If we're going to make a difference in this world, there's work and all this. And we have a wonderful promise throughout Scripture, specifically in the book of Acts starts with the fact that the world can be reached with the gospel. We have to have the, the power of the Holy Spirit, but we have to, the world can be reached. God would not commission us to do something that's not possible to do. But you think just because we can put pins on a map and print a bunch of tracts that the world's going to be saved? No, we've got to labor to do it. I believe that our city can be reached. I believe that our nation can be turned back to God. What's it going to take? 
I'll tell you what it's going to take. It's going to take some disciples. What does that mean? That means we've got to listen. I think we all listen. We've got to be willing to lead. We've got to be willing to labor. If God hasn't called you to Europe or Africa or Asia to be a missionary and you're living in Jacksonville, Florida, guess where your mission field is? It's right here. Labor here. Hey, you're a member of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Guess where you labor? You labor right here. That's what disciples do. You See, that's the wonderful thing about Christ. He'll save anybody, but anybody can be a disciple. I mean, as, as we study the disciples in, throughout the Gospels, and we get to know them a little bit, we, I'll use Peter as an example because he's the one that's often used. He wasn't perfect. Quite frankly, if he lived in today's society, the Internet would be a buzz with Peter. He'd be boycotted from the, the, the local preacher's fellowships because Peter just said what he thought, and he didn't pass out surveys to see if it was digestible by society. And a lot of times he got himself in trouble. But you, you, do we really want to make the argument that Peter was not a disciple? God did choose him to preach Pentecost. Thomas? Oh, maybe we, God gives us children and like, oh, we look at our son and say, I hope one day God gives me a John, the Apostle John. And the things that he saw being caught up in the Spirit. John the Beloved, who laid on Jesus' breast. Oh, give me John. Well, they get to be about two, and it's like, well, that one might not be John, but Peter. He's got a really good chance of being Peter. He may say some things he shouldn't say, but he can still walk on the water. He may make everybody else upset, but, and he may not be as faithful as he should be, but God can still use him to preach Pentecost. And maybe that's a conversation we have, but I don't know that it's ever happened in a Christian household to say, oh, I hope he turns out to be Thomas. That one of little faith, the doubter. I don't know about you, and I've tried to approach it with the right spirit because we're not so different I don't know if you read about the disciples. Sometimes I see myself in, I see myself in all of their bad characteristics. But you look at Thomas and it's like, Lord, we're going to die. Jesus tells him, I'm going to leave you. Well, where are we going to go? Nobody's here to tell us what to go. Say, so, oh man, little faith. No, that's what we would be saying. He's in the upper room with the other disciples after Christ's resurrection. No door opens, and Jesus is in their midst. He says, ah, I don't believe it. And he had to touch the wounds in the hands of the Lord. But Thomas was a disciple. I didn't call him a disciple because you and I, if we're all honest, would say, nope, he's eliminated. We don't think he's worthy of a disciple. But God preserved in his word as one of the disciples was Thomas. You know what that tells me? That tells me he may, have, he may have had a shortage of faith. He may not have had the faith others had. But he listened. He left. He labored. So far, we can do all that. Then I want you to look at the beginning of chapter number 5. Verse number 1. And seeing the multitudes, he went up into a mountain, and when he was set, his disciples came unto him. Now, this is after he's done all of these other things. 
Now he's going, the multitudes are coming, he's going up into the mountains. The disciples got to climb that mountain with him. And look at verse 2, and he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, the fourth step is learn. Is learn. There's something to doing. And in, in, in Paul writes a lot about that in his letters and the epistles. But it's not just us knowing, it's about us doing. But the more we learn, the more we're able to do. And he began to teach them, of course, the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter number 5. But they never got to a place and they made some wrong assumptions. You study, read the Gospels, these disciples often made wrong assumptions. And we see the patience of our Lord and how many times he would, he would teach them and they would think it's something else. He must be talking about this. I wonder if it's something that he does now when he looks at us and he sees everything that's going on in this world and we're saying, this is what it means or that's what it means or this is what is taking place. There's no new thing under the sun. That's what the disciples were doing. He's come to break his kingdom right now. And oh, I know he's gonna, we're gonna, we might be marching to Rome next. That was never the Lord's plan. He's sitting there teaching them about the things that are going to take place. But he taught them, and they had to be willing to learn. That's, some, that's, a, that's a great characteristic in a Christian is to be willing to learn. So I've, I've heard everything there is, there is to say. Well, would you probably, if that's your attitude and spirit, you missed the part on pride and humility. Uh, we got to be willing to learn. If you're going to be a disciple, you got to be willing to learn. And where do they learn from? They learn from Jesus. I, I remind you before I move to number five and, and the last step that I'll, I'll bring out tonight of what Paul wrote. He wrote, who did hinder you? You know, I mentioned in, re in reference just a few moments ago in passing the, the heresy of Calvinism. You don't get that from Jesus' lips. You get John chapter 3 from Jesus' lips. You get that from a man. I, if I'm going to learn, I'm going to learn from the Lord. I'm going to learn from His Word. And, we, and that's, the, that's the fourth step we see as a disciple. Now, fifth and finally, I want us to turn back to Matthew chapter number 27. Matthew 27. And we've done enough studies through the months and through the years. And earlier this year, I did that series on learning, uh, standing near the cross. And some of these characters we looked at in that. And I know when I look at the disciples, it, it's, I look at men who God used in great men of faith and character. And I look at men, and I look at them, and I say, I can never attain that. But at the same time, I look at them and say, I can identify with that. And, and, and that tells me that, so well, I can never, no, we can be disciples. God doesn't have the same plan for us as he has for these men. He doesn't have the same plan for us as each other. But we can all be his disciples. And how different was, were those disciples? You got fishermen who were rough and crude, and you have a tax collector. They were different men, but yet they had to, to, to do the same things. They learned the same things. I want you to look at 
chapter 27, verse 29. We come to the crucifixion of our Lord, and when they had plaited a crown of thorns, they put it upon his head, and a reed in his right hand, and they bowed the knee before him and mocked him, saying, Hail, King of the Jews. And they spit upon him and took the reed and smote him on the head. And after that, they had mocked, them, mocked him. They took the robe off from him and put his own raiment on him and led him away to crucify him. As they came out, they found the man of Cyrene, Simon by name, him they compelled to bear his cross. When they were coming to a place called Golgotha, that is to say, a place of the skull. If we were to continue reading, we know this is the crucifixion of our Savior. We know that he's going to give his life so that man might be redeemed. We know because we know enough of the scripture, and we certainly had studies on it, that at least some of those disciples were in the presence of the cross. How confusing of a time that must have been. How difficult of a time that had to have been. Because I remind you in Matthew chapter 4, the same Jesus that said, Come, follow me. The same Jesus that compelled them and they left their nets. They left the ship. They labored. Now they're watching their master. They're watching the Son of God be crucified in that horrible, horrible mode of execution. Why would Jesus do that? They were, this had to be very confusing because Jesus came to, that's why he was born in Bethlehem. That's why he came and lived a sinless life for this very time. But in their mind, the Son of God has come to take away our oppression, to set up his kingdom now. Now, that's coming the next time he comes. But he came the first time to take upon him the sins of the world. Now, the disciples sometimes were hard-headed like you and I are hard-headed. And sometimes Jesus would illustrate the truths and he would even teach a parable so that they could understand. And he, and he wanted them to know what he was saying, really teach them and prepare them for what they would face. It's fascinating to me, and it should be somewhat intriguing to all of us that after Christ's crucifixion, and we've, 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 we've looked at this in the past, after his ascension into heaven, these same men who would be martyred would go and preach the gospel to the very people who crucified their Lord. See, Pastor, what does all that have to do with steps to discipleship? The fifth step is love. And I, believe, I don't believe these, I mean, obviously these men were never the same after our Lord was crucified and was resurrected. Jesus did that because he loved you and I. You, you, you want to, you, you want to give your mind something hard to fathom and wrap wrap it around, the very one who took that cat of nine tails and beat our Lord with it, Jesus loved him. The very ones who spit in his face, 
He endured that because he loved them. The ones who came by in the scripture says wagging their heads and mocking him. What was his response? Father, forgive them. He loved them. The disciples would go on after Christ's ascension and endure beatings, mockings. As unpopular as Christ became because of the religious crowd, the disciples, if possible, were even more unpopular because they preached Christ. I don't know about you, and you, we, we've studied through the book of Acts in years past. You read the book of Acts, and you read the succession of things that take place, and you, you think of Peter, and you think of Paul, and you think of these, those other disciples, and they would come in, they would preach the gospel, they preached Christ crucified and resurrected, and they would take them and beat them, throw them in prison, then throw them out on the street and say, don't preach anymore, and immediately we cannot help to speak the things we've seen and hear. I don't know you and I, what we'd be like, you got her crazy? What's wrong with you? Well, the only explanation that I can think of, obviously, they were empowered by the Spirit of God. But there had to be a love in their heart that only a true disciple can have. And I'm going to get off on a little rabbit trail here as a close, but it certainly ties in with this. There's a lot of Christians in our country today that are revealing that they are not a disciple of Christ. Because according to their rantings and social media posts, they hate the people who have political differences than them. Well, they're trying to, are we here to win this world to Christ or not? Well, I don't, disciples are. And you know what's going to keep us faithful till either Christ returns or he calls us home? Being a disciple. These disciples, they had their failures. They had their moments of unfaithfulness. They had their character traits. They had character traits that we don't want. And quite frankly, they're, they're some of the same weaknesses we have. But is there any doubt when it was all said and done and every single one of them was martyred for their faith that they were a disciple of Christ? And the world says of those 12 men that they turned the world upside down. I, I don't know, maybe it's different today, but they didn't need a Republican majority to turn the world upside down. It just took a few disciples who were willing to listen, to leave, to labor, to learn, and to love. You know what we need? We need some disciples. I think if you're a disciple, you'll vote right. 
I think if we're making disciples, they'll vote right. So why don't we just keep our focus on being a disciple? Say, Pastor, I don't know if I can ever be a disciple. I don't. I, let me take, give, me, give you some steps that I see from a, some very flawed men. And that encourages me because we're flawed individuals as well. If I want to be a disciple, you know, you don't have to get permission from this culture to be a disciple. Well, the culture, they'll, they'll cancel you. Not if you refuse to be canceled. I want to be a disciple. You know, you don't, you don't, I don't find these men getting permission from family to be a disciple. They follow Christ. Oh, what a difference. I want it to be said of the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Those people are disciples. Now, I know that word is thrown around. It's very loosely, but in a Bible definition, people who are willing to listen to when Jesus calls, they're willing to leave comfort, willing to leave whatever, Habits, and there's sinful things that we don't have to figure out. We don't have to pray over those. We, we know what they are. The Spirit of God tells us, but many times when we take that next step of being a disciple, it's not a sinful thing God's asking us to give up. It's something that we have to leave so that we can labor And while we're laboring, we can learn. And then the more we become like Christ, the more we're going to love. I tell you, that the, the things that are taking place in this world has really made me take a look at my own actions, my own thought process. And could I do what Stephen did? Pray for the salvation of the ones who are stoning me in the midst of stoning me. That sermon Deacon Stephen preached couldn't be preached in the average church today. It's too strong. But those religious people, the scripture says they were were gnashing on him with their teeth. I don't... I don't know if I could do what Stephen did. I don't know. I want to think that I'm dedicated to Christ enough that if I get told that, well, there's a pandemic, you can't preach the gospel anymore, you can't, that I'll say, well, you know, I'm going to do that. And they turn me loose, I'm going to go right back and do it. I'd like to think that that's what I would do. But I think this is something that all of us need to evaluate. Just because I, I, I'm the pastor of Emmanuel Baptist Church doesn't mean I'm the only one on my way to discipleship. No, it's every child of God can be a disciple. What a compelling thought that 12, and Scripture says, they perceived that they were ignorant and unlearned men. 
turned the world upside down. By the way, there's a lesson there too. That this true disciples, churches with true disciples, they stir up their very existence. Well, how come, how come these other churches, there's no everybody loves them? Well, I think I'll conclude on, on that. Those 12 men turned the world upside down. Oh, let's make a difference. We need, we have, we, our, our homes need turned upside down. And I don't mean some of the ways I'm like, I got that one. That's not what I mean. In the, con- in, the, in the concept of Scripture, in the context of Scripture, our neighborhoods need to be turned upside down, our workplace upside down, our city upside down. Uh, but it's going to take some disciples to do it. So some practical things I see. This is something to remind me. I'll always be listening. I'll be willing to leave, labor, learn, love. That's what Christ did. So let's be a disciple of His. Father, thank You for...